Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. Um, I'm just so excited, so honored to speak today. I want to just thank pastors Jürgen Leanne. You know, I've been on the journey with Awaken Church since the beginning of the first, or since the end of the first year it started. So I've been with the team for 14 years and um, been growing and have the amazing honor and privilege to see what started with a couple hundred people coming to thousands and thousands and thousands of people across San Diego County and beyond. And I don't know if you didn't realize it, but what you're looking at is called Revival. And it's really great to be a part of it. I'm very grateful to Pastors Jürgen and Leanne, who were the ones to break through for our breakthrough. And um, grateful for Pastors Mike and Katie and the whole team, Pastor Rudy and Gladys and Marco and Natalie. I hope the other girls aren't raptured too, but we're here. We're going to get it together. Um, thank you, Pastor Mike. I'm sorry I will not be serving ceviche to everyone this morning, but you do need to try it. Ecuadorian ceviche, it's a... I like that, a revelation. All right, it's very good. All right. I have some other revelations today that I'm excited to share with you. And um, this message, I actually wrote three other messages. But I just couldn't settle. I just kept feeling, God, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. So I really know that what I'm speaking this morning is what he wants me to speak about. And I'm excited to share it with you. So the message today is called, Turn the Lights On in Our City. Turn the lights on in our city. If you've got your Bibles or your iPhone Bibles um, or from the screen behind me, I'm going to just share some, uh, some of the Word of God, which is really good. Here we go. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Ephesians 5.8, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. John 8.12, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the message, turn the lights on in our city. The lights are us. We are the lights. Now you might think, well, that's a contradiction because the Bible says that you're the light of the world and then it says Jesus is the light of the world. It's actually very much the same. The moment that we accept Jesus into our hearts, the light turns on. Jesus on the inside of us is the lights turn on. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God as a gift for you? You do not belong to yourself. And that's really it. The moment that we get saved, the moment that we meet our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us and the light turns on. And we used to, previously, we lived in darkness. And how many people know that 
you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's all dark and you're trying to get, you know, to the bathroom or wherever, and you're like fumbling your way through the dark, trying to get, you know, to the next room. And then you, of course, like, you know, hit the corner of the bed that you know is there, but it somehow reached out and grabbed you. And, you know, because you're in dark, you're stumbling your way through. But the moment you open, you turn on the light, all of a sudden everything's clear. Oh, yes, that's my furniture. Thank you very much my furniture that is now not my enemy. Um, you can see everything, but how many people know that when we get saved, it's just like that the light turns on and you see everything. So now you see the good, the bad, the ugly, the greatness, you see all of it. And before, it was like you just didn't even know. You didn't realize. And then all of a sudden, you start to look and you begin to assess your life. And you're like, I didn't know that was there. And where you used to go, you can't go anymore. And the things you used to do, you can't do anymore. And the friends you used to have, you can't have be friends anymore. Because you're like, I see it for what it is. The light has turned on. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I kind of think about it like this. When I was... We all of a sudden become, you know, aware of things we weren't aware of before. And that's really when the devil tries to come, right? The Bible says right at that point, somebody comes into the house of God, they become a Christian, they get saved, and right then, it's like devil full-fledged war. Why? Because the light just turned on. We all of a sudden start to see things for what they really are, and then the devil tries to come and steal you right on out of that. But instead, I believe today that as Christians, we're going to learn how to grow and be transformed by the Word of God. We are going to make it through. We're going to live a life transformed. It's going to be great. And so for me, I kind of thought about this when I was, uh, I grew up in, I'm originally from New York, and then I grew up in, in South America and Ecuador. And um, when I left Ecuador, I had just graduated high school, and I came to the U.S. to go to university. And I, um, I at that point, was more Latin than I was American. I, um, it's, it was funny, like even today, like singing the songs in Spanish, when I first came to the U.S., I had all in my car and everywhere I go, I kept um, worship CDs that were in Spanish because when I went to church in English, I'm like, what are these songs? And it didn't resonate with me because I didn't grow up learning them in English. I knew them in Spanish. And so for me to engage with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I need it to be in Espanol, you know? And so I would, I would do that. And then um, I remember the first week I was in college. I get there. I'm so pumped and excited. Um, I was considered an international student, and they have you get there a week early just to kind of get accustomed to the college campus, get accustomed um, to, to the U.S., and so I was like, okay, I'm learning all the things, and I arrive in my college campus with two duffel bags. You guys know what duffel bags are? Like military people use duffel bags when they travel? I was a missionary kid. I did not realize I was a missionary kid up until that point. I just grew up overseas. This is all I knew. We chose duffel bags because it was the most we could stuff into a bag to bring to America. Back in the day, you could bring like 80 pounds worth of each luggage. How cool was that? And, um, and so I brought all of my clothes and a coffee pot. And that is how I arrived at my college campus. And so that's all I had. And so I set up my room very quickly. And started to try to get accustomed to everything. And then I'll never forget, after that first week, all the other college students start pouring in. 
And I'm like, okay, and I look out my little window, and I'm so excited, and I see all these people coming, and I'm like, well, they don't have a duffel bag. They don't have a suitcase. They are coming with, with U-Hauls and station wagons and, like, full of all of this stuff. And I kid you not, right across from me, Legally Blonde moves in. And there's plush pink carpet and beautiful pillow puffs and all the things. And I'm like looking at Legally Blonde and looking at me. Legally Blonde and me. And I'm like, I am a missionary kid. I was up until that point very unaware. How many people know that we are unaware of our state until we see the opposite? We are unaware of the things going on until all of a sudden the Holy Spirit rocks up. Then we begin to see things a little bit differently than we've seen them before. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Amen. And here's the thing. We, we want to be able to live a transformed life, to allow the love of God to begin to shine through us. Because I have found that a miserable Christian is the worst evangelist. A person that gets saved but then doesn't begin the life of transformation becomes a bitter, twisted, sour not very nice person, and then I'm like, if you're a candle, I kind of want to blow you out because you're giving the rest of us Christians a bad rap. I am glad that Jesus is king and judge and not me. <laughs> but they just make the worst evangelists. I'm like, instead, if we actually live a transformed life, we don't need to evangelize. Our life speaks and people are drawn to us. They see the love of God in us. They see the light flickering. They see the love of God. And they come to us and we begin to show them the way. So I want to share just a few things that I think are going to help us in our transformational life to be real Christians. Are you with me? Okay. First one, be aware of when we sin and take responsibility for what we have done. Ouch. Pinch your neighbor. It's talking about your neighbor, obviously. Be aware of when we sin and take responsibility for what we have done. I know this is not popular preaching, but it's what's going to help us in life. Because the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. I am not speaking some perfectionism gospel. I'm not speaking out of Stacy is perfect. No, I'm speaking from a place of I've messed up. We've all messed up. But how do we live a good old cleaned up life and begin to transform? And it starts with taking responsibility when we've messed up. David was so good at that in the Bible. Over and over, all these mess ups, but you always found him at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because if we take our sin and we, we have then something to leave at the feet of Jesus, it doesn't continue to hurt us over and over and over again. The Bible says this in Psalm 51, 1 through 3. And right at the title of, of that particular passage, it says this, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba. So, so here's the setting of the stage. David had just messed up big time. And he wound up sleeping with a married woman and then had her husband killed. Bad day. Not good. But then Nathan the prophet 
comes to David because David, he's not kind of bringing this up himself. He's not dealing with this sin in a really good way. And so then God has to send in Nathan the prophet. When we are unawares, when we're living in our blind spot, God is gracious to us and sends us a leader to say, hey, you might want to take a look at what's happening in the backdrop of your life that's hurting you and potentially hurting others because hurt people hurt people. And this happened to David, and Nathan comes to him, and Nathan begins to tell him a story about a man who messed up and then begins to share, and David says, well, here's all the consequences. This is what we need to do to that man. Who is that man? Nathan says, you're that man. Then David writes this, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me for my, from my sin. For I am conscious of my transgressions. I acknowledge them. My sin is always before me. <clears throat> what I love about David is he didn't get defensive. He didn't go, you know what, Prophet Nathan, go talk to somebody else. You know what, Nathan, you don't know about all the other things. No, he just runs to Jesus, his Savior, and goes, he's right. I messed up. Have mercy on me, oh God. How good that God does have mercy. God does heal. God does save. God does blot out the sin and the shame. We can live shame-free lives. It's the devil that brings shame. God actually clears us up from that. So we can actually live free and free indeed when we actually bring our sin before Jesus and leave it there. It doesn't have to continue to hurt us over. And it doesn't have to, you know, the world's, you know, answer to this question is just to, you know, Tony Robbins, here's 1,000 things that you can do to change your behavior. Change my behavior? My behavior's not going to change unless I deal with my sin. When I deal with what's, what's really hurting me and I get healed from it, the byproduct is behavioral change. Because I'm telling you, when you get healed, it feels good. And you don't want to sin anymore because you're like, healing feels too good. It feels too good to go back to the trapping. I'm going to live heal and whole. Does that make sense? Okay. Number two, don't live in denial. Don't live in denial. The definition of denial is a refusal to admit truth. And here's the thing. The denial is that something happened. We were involved in something, whatever it is, that has, is trying to, to keep us back from everything that we really want. Whatever that thing is, denial can become delay. If we deny our brokenness, we stay bonded to it. It keeps hurting us over and over and over again because it actually happened, but we're not ready to confront and deal with what's actually happened. So it keeps hurting us. For me, this is where we really need to, to instead of deny, bring before God. And this is what God says. It's in John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, talking to the believers, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. So we bypass the penalty of sin when we face the truth. That's freedom. It's so freeing 
to bring everything forward, to not deny that happens. Because if we deny what happened, we are burying the truth alive. And at some point, it's coming up from the grave. And it's usually at the worst time possible, when we're not ready to deal, when we can't deal. All of a sudden, that thing comes rushing up. And then it's like, I don't want to deal, but it's right there. Instead, if we daily begin to deal with what actually happened, then we're not waiting for the grave day that it comes out exposed on the front of a newspaper. We can actually walk things out. So I have found that instead of denial, actually confront. Confront what has happened so we can deal with it. Truth, not denial, is what sets us free. Point number three, you doing good? Take a deep breath. Tell you to take a deep breath because I'm about to get savage, all right? I'm just, I'm just preparing you. It was just the setup, you guys. We're doing good today. We're doing good. Okay, point number three, live accountable. Live accountable. Now, there was a commercial that came out quite a few years ago, and it was for Toys R Us. And you guys probably remember it. You could probably sing along with me, like, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yeah, we need to grow up. Wrong message, commercial world. I'm, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I have found there's this, this, this epidemic that has gripped our earth, and, and they're calling it right now the Peter Pan syndrome. See, because naturally, we are growing up. We are adulting. Our bodies are, 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 are getting older, that we've tried everything to preserve, right? We've done it all, and yet, we still grow old. But what's happened is, though our bodies are growing older, I have found that many people are stunted at the point of their emotions. Stunted growth. I don't want to deal the thing, the pain, the trauma, whatever, too much. I don't want to grow up. And while we're not growing up, we've got all kinds of, of people that are, you know, instead of working hard, getting a mortgage, getting a house, instead now we're putting rent on credit cards. Now we can't build relationships because we don't know how to be relational. We are working 10 and 20 hours a week trying. 10 and 20 hours a week trying to get rich instead of actually working hard 40 plus hours a week, living it so that we actually work for then the blessing that we have. We have kids not getting driver's license. I just want to ride. We've got people that are not buying cars and needing to carpool. We've got all these things because it's like, I don't want to grow up. But I think that God, he wants us to grow up. And he wants us not to just grow old, but to grow emotionally healthy, to have the things that we really want to have. And here's the thing. If we live superficial, we will never be fulfilled. And this is what it looks like when someone is emotionally stunted, okay? And this is not for us, it's for our friends, but it's okay, we're all gonna listen, all right? This is the person that won't go deep. They delay tough conversations because feelings are too overwhelming to deal with, so they stay superficial. They would rather laugh it off instead of just actually open up. If you start a vulnerable conversation, they immediately all of a sudden need to fix something like a TV that was broken 10 years ago. And you're like, I thought we were fixing something. But they're out of the conversation. 
They're too stressed to talk. They keep postponing conversations they know they should have. Everything begins to, to, to be about them because they have no bandwidth to discover you because that could lead to deep. So they want to stay focused on themselves. They become defensive. If you bring something up, the blame game begins. They have commitment issues. They won't schedule future plans because they may not be there for them. Lack of follow through, want a relationship but not ready to be relational. They don't own their mistakes. In other words, they're not accountable. And everything will be beyond their control. It's the family fault. It's my boss's fault. It's anyone's fault but mine. And they feel more alone than ever because there's an intimacy gap in their relational life. I have found this to be so prevalent. And it's so painful to see because it's like we, we do not have to live that way. God wants to heal us at the point of our emotion to transform into his likeness, into his image. He's a relational God. So instead of shutting off emotions, instead of being stunted, here's the antidote. Are you ready? This is the antidote, and it's not complicated. It's instead of, okay, this is going to get a little dicey. Okay, you ready for me? It's not getting an accountability partner. It's not getting a mentor. I have always felt a little disturbed when people would ask me to be their mentor or like, I just, I have my accountability partner and I have my mentor that lives in Oregon that doesn't actually see my actual life, but he definitely gives me wisdom on everything that I should do. I found that always to be super odd. And, and then I began to ask God, why? Why does that not jive with me? And then I felt God say, because, Stacy, people are trying to get all of their wisdom, all of their direction from one person. And that's called substitute Jesus. When we're meant to get all of our wisdom, our direction, our lean into, it's not another human, it's the Holy Spirit. They're substituting Jesus for a person. They never get what they actually need, and the mentor gets broken and worn out. Because people were never meant to be a substitute. Now, don't get me wrong. I said at the beginning, we are to live accountable. How awesome is it that when we live accountable, not to the one, but to the many, so we place Jesus in his rightful place, and then we can learn from the community and the people that we are a part of. For me, instead of being a mentor, I'm like, I want to be your pastor or your friend or your leader, or, and you know what? I'm going to change the hat depending upon what it is you need when you need it. I'm not going to be stuck in one particular zone. It's a much healthier place to be in. So the antidote is this. We actually engage in the community that God put us in. We go to a place called men's prayer and women's prayer. The very place where we're offering a place to be vulnerable, to talk about the dirty sin, to talk about the things that we've been involved in that now we're going to make right, to pray, to get healed. This is the very place where we can actually open up in a healthy way, in a connect group, in a smaller community where people actually engage with us and know our lives. Then they can speak wisdom into our life. I want to learn from the masses. I want to learn from different people, not just the ones. If we need to do a stint of counseling, we do a stint of counseling. That's okay. But when we go to a counselor, we should know what we're going for, and it should have a start and an end date, because that's called breakthrough. 
We shouldn't be on a counselor couch for our whole life. Otherwise, he or she is not a very good counselor. But all, also for us, we can't just walk in not knowing, no, this is what I want to deal with. This is what I want to break through. Great. That's going to take about two to four months. We're going to work that out. We're going to walk that out. Great. I can break through. A lot of us need insight, course correction. That's totally okay. Come to us and use the altar. Get, come forward. Get ministry. Whatever we need to do. People that are emotionally stunted stay isolated and alone, just living trapped over and over in the same. But for us, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to bring our stuff to the feet of Jesus, and then we're going to allow the community that we are, are a part of to receive the wisdom of we need to live our transformational life. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen? And here's the thing. God gives us that beautiful opportunity to be accountable because if we don't begin to realize and, 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 and be accountable, then those blind spots will stay blind spots. And God will be gracious. He will provide a Nathan prophet in our life. He'll bring a leader alongside of you that's seeing that you're in a repetitive pattern of hurt and pain and bring that beautiful person to you to help you course correct. Can I say that when that happens, could we be gracious? No leader, no pastor. That's actually not what we love. We love it because we love you and want to see breakthrough for your life. But I've seen people just absolutely reject, get defensive. Don't tell me what I haven't seen. A blind spot is a blind spot. We don't know that it ain't there. But people are seeing it, and God's gracious to provide someone to walk it out with you. This is what the Bible says, Psalm 141.5. Let the righteous thoughtfully strike or correct me. It is a kindness done to encourage my spiritual maturity Time to grow up. It is the choicest anointing, oil on the head. Let my head not refuse it, to accept and acknowledge and learn from it. How good is God? He brings these people so that we can acknowledge what we haven't seen. So that if we didn't realize it, now we've got somebody that did that can walk it out so that we don't wind up on the front page of a newspaper or a magazine telling our dirty laundry. Because what is done in secret will come out. But God is giving us many opportunities before it shined in the public corridors to deal with it in the actual private. The Bible says in Luke 8, 17, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. I would rather that my blind spots be recognized in secret and me deal with it than to have to come out publicly. Does that make sense? God is beautiful in that way. All right. Point number four, rounding to a close. We're doing okay? Build a daily relationship with Jesus. Build a daily relationship with Jesus. What I mean by a daily relationship with Jesus is not I did my devotional. It's am I devoted? I did my devotional. I read my Bible. Are we living? Are we devoted to Jesus himself? I don't want to come to my Bible study time and just come, sit down, turn on the light, start reading my Bible. 
The Bible is the living word of God. You're meeting with your present savior. You're meeting with Jesus. And I found myself, there, there have been times in my life, I'm like, oh yeah, just doing the thing. Like, okay, I'm gonna start reading my Bible. And then I have to be like, what are you doing, Stacy? And I stop before I open up my Bible. And I'll close my eyes and I'll actually wait to be present with Jesus. I want Jesus with me. I want to talk to Jesus. I'm not doing a devotional. I'm building a relationship. Have you ever met someone and they right away start telling you all, your, their, all their problems? You're like, oh, I, didn't know. I don't even know your name. <laughs> Sometimes we do that with Jesus. I want, I want, give me, give me, da, 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 da. And he's like, hello, hi, Stacy. We gotta take, take a little bit of time. It's building a relationship. I wanna walk you through a little bit of the kind of moments that I have with Jesus when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm devoting my life to him. And when I, when I do that, I wait. And even today in service, and I was in the first service, and as we were in worship, I'm like, I don't want to come up here and just preach a message. I don't want to say these things from the word of God. I want, is that what Jesus wants? And I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm worshiping and I'm waiting for the presence of God. And I felt Jesus. And then I felt Jesus say, Stacy, get ready. We're going to do this together. And then I went, now I'm ready. I'm not stepping onto a stage to speak grand revelations. I'm speaking out of what I live. And I want, I don't want I can't do it apart from God. I do it with Him. He's a relation. We've got to wait for the presence of Jesus. Why don't all of us just close our eyes right now? I'm going to just lead you through how to stop and encounter God. Maybe we do life a little bit different. Maybe we read our Bible a little bit different. Maybe we pray a little bit different when we realize that Jesus is present. He's present in our time of need. He's present in our celebration. He's present. So me, when I wake up in the morning and I, I'm going to read my Bible, I'll sometimes put worship music on. And, and before I jump in, I'll just wait. Go, Jesus, thank you that you're here with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. And you know what? I don't have to come up with a bunch of flowery language. I don't have to start with a thy Lord, my holy God. I don't speak like that. I speak to Jesus like I would speak to a brother or a friend, and that's what the Bible says. He's a relational God. We don't have to come up with a way to just begin to talk the way that you naturally talk. Like you're talking to an actual person because you are, you're talking to the person of Jesus. And so instead of just jumping into the study, I'll go, God, I just thank you and I praise you. Thank you for who you are, God. So good to begin with gratefulness and thankfulness in your heart. Begin to thank him before we start to rush into all these things. And, and then all the things will come rushing to our head. And we'll get to those things because God is so beautiful that those are the very things He wants to talk to us about because He cares about the things that we care about. He cares about those details and He wants to discuss them with us. But first, I'm going to thank Him and I'm going to praise Him and I'm going to meet with Him. And so I say, thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that you're here with me. God, I love you so much. Jesus, thank you. 
I can already even just by thanking God, you already begin to feel his presence. And I'll say, God, as I read your word, speak to me. What do you want to say to me, God? What do you want to reveal to me, God? Show me the way. And then right there, sometimes I'll begin to confess maybe the things that I've been involved in or God, I need help in this or I've been feeling weary in this. And then God will begin to speak to me and then I'll begin to open the word of God. And then that very scripture is the one that, that highlights the exact thing that I'm going through. And, 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 and I think we're not meant to push off the to-do list at that point. Then we're actually meant to bring it forward. The little things that we think are little are not so little. Let God rewrite the to-do list according to his power and his presence and his direction. He's very, he's very good at what he does. And we just sit under the presence of God. Meditation is, is, is actually meditate on the, on the good, on the loving. It's meditating on the word of God and, and giving space for him to speak and for us to speak to him, to think on the good things of God. And then from that place, we'll read of his scripture. We'll get what we need for that day will walk out different than how we came in or will stand up and walk out different than how we sat down because you can't sit in the presence of God and not be changed. can't sit in the presence of God and not feel better about who you are. He'll remind you of who He is. You'll leave that sin, that thing you've been entangled at, at His feet and He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness and He'll heal you from the place that it began. He's a good Father. Can y'all look up? I know it's, did you feel that? Could you feel the presence of God? It's amazing when we just take a moment, disconnect, and connect to the right source. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. This is what I found. If we will build a relationship daily with God, as we heal and deal with the stuff of that day, then it doesn't pile on. Then we don't wait until there's a huge trauma and a big deal because we've dealt with the little all along the way. And then when the big trauma or the big war or the big thing comes, guess what? We're not weary from battle. In fact, we're supercharged and ready. At that point, we're like David and Goliath. Like I will take down that giant we sang about in worship. We're ready to take down the evil and the darkness and the real trauma and the real things because we've dealt with the daily. We've been transformed. By the time the real big trauma comes, we're like, oh, we will cut off your head, Goliath. We will not faint in the day of adversity. In fact, we'll be ready for battle if we, if we build a relationship on the daily. Does that make sense? My last point is point number, number five. Let God restore you every time. Let God restore you every time. Every time we mess up, we go to Jesus. That's what David was so good at. And the Bible says in Psalm 51, 12, and this is David speaking again, it says, restore me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. This is what I love about God is He will restore us. He'll restore our joy to the point of our salvation. What does that mean? Do you remember the first time the light came on? 
Do you remember the first time when you were living in darkness and then all of a sudden you discovered or you rediscovered the light of heaven, Jesus himself, and you invited the Holy Spirit into your life and the life came on and you fell in love. You knew love maybe for the first time, unconditional love. You fall in love with Jesus, your Savior. Every time we mess up, we have the opportunity like David to go restore to me the joy of my salvation. The first time I knew you, the first time I encountered you before all the mess, before all the junk, before all the awareness. And how good of God that he does. He will restore us like it never happened. Now we're aware of what happened. But now we can speak to the breakthrough. Now we can help others go, yeah, I did that. I was in that, but let me show you the way. We're not embarrassed about our testimony. We're not embarrassed about the things that we have done. We're healed and healing feels really good. And healing is freeing. And I'm telling you that at that point, I think that's the best time to shine. We will let our light shine and many people outside of these doors will be attracted to. How did she deal with that? And yet she's got joy and peace in her spirit. I didn't walk on rainbows and clouds my whole life. I've had big things happen to me, but I honestly believe because of doing the daily work, because of building a genuine, genuine relationship with God, from being restored and healed that I'm like, oh, I live in joy. I live in peace. I want everybody to have it. And here's how good God is. The very sin that David confronted, the very sin that he bought before Jesus instead of hiding or denying it. Right there, God, through him, through the, the thing that he most messed up with, we might say, the thing that we think would have disqualified him, from a faith legacy, David with Bathsheba has a son named Solomon, the wisest man in the whole world. And through that lineage, Jesus chose to be born. You better believe that when Jesus forgives our sins, he remembers it no more. In fact, he chooses through your breakthrough, through the very thing that you thought would take you out is the very thing that will promote you when you deal with it the right way. And just like David, he will build a legacy beyond our wildest dreams, beyond our imagination. He will take our heart and our pain and the things that we've gone through and he will help us to break through and we will have legacy, not the legacy of failure, not the legacy of sin, but like David will tell the story. Oh, remember, we'll be known when people look at Monique and Anthony and Ido and Lori, they have to tell me what happened in their history because all I see is awesomeness. All I see these beautiful lives that are giving to others, they're so beautiful, they have to tell their story. Why? Because they've been so healed, they've been so restored, they have a history. But that's not what we see. God covers a multitude of sins. And it says in Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like white wool. The picture I kind of got was 
Imagine our skin, our sin like that, like red scarlet. It's like taking Kool-Aid and throwing it in snow. It's bright. You ain't missing it. But how? How does God do that? Also, we can't do it. We can't make the red white. But God can. It's supernatural. He will take our natural and by His Spirit it will become supernatural and red crimson will turn to white as snow. Your purity, our purity will be restored. And if you picture the beautiful winter wonderland, that's our new life. That's the way that we live. We don't see it like the nightmare it was before. We don't see it through the sin and the red and the scarlet and the dirty. God sees the beauty, He sees the white, He sees the snow, and He restores us back to our point of purity, the way that He designed and created us. And just like us, David, he chose to go through that family line, and for us, He'll choose all kinds of legacy for us if we will but just bring it before Him. Can we all stand to our feet? The first verse I had spoken was 1 John 1, 7. And I think it'll be more meaningful now. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. Ephesians 5, 8, let's live as people of the light. It's time to turn the lights on in our city. It's time for us to live the life that we knew, that we hoped, that we kind of conjured in our heart, it is possible. We just have to do the daily work and God will do the rest. Let's close our eyes right now. If you're in this place and you're like, Stacy, I want what you're talking about. I want to be restored back to the point of my purity. I want to be restored from the things that I've done or I've been involved in, little or big. That's how good God is. He doesn't care if it's little. He doesn't care if it's big. He's like, just bring it to me. There are those of us in this place that it's time for us to bring some of our stuff to Jesus. Can we just raise our, that should be actually, that's all of us. We're going to bring our, all, our, all our stuff to, to Jesus. I want to corporately pray for us. I think it's time to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. And if you're making that, actually, I'll have you put your hands down just for a second. If you're making that decision for the first time, would you raise your hand just so I can see you? We're going to all pray together. But if you're like, you know what? I want to invite Jesus who cleanses me from all unrighteousness into my life. Maybe I did it once. Maybe it's time to do it again. I see that hand in the back. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hands to heaven? Yeah, I see you on my left. Amazing. I see you on my right. I see you in the two guys in the back. So awesome. I see you beautiful on my left. Keep those hands raised. I see you. Yep. Oh, right there in the middle in the back. We're going to pray together. And we're going to pray to invite Jesus in. And then I'm going to just corporately pray for, for us all. So those of you that have your hands raised and those of us who it's like, let's re-engage with Jesus again. Let's just all lift our hands to heaven. Let's all repeat this prayer. Father God, come on, let's hear it loud. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, your perfect son, so I didn't have to be perfect. I thank you 
that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and He resurrected and sent me the Holy Spirit who is with me always. I receive you, Father God, Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you cleanse me from all my sin and you restore me like I've never been restored. I receive you and I thank you for the great legacy that I will now leave because of you. In your name we pray. Can I get a big amen? Can we cheer right now? So amazing. Now let's just lift our hands to heaven. I'm just going to pray over you and then I'm going to invite Pastor Mike up and we'll get the ministry to come up. And if you individually have some things you want to walk out, then you feel free to do that. But I just want to pray for us this morning. So why don't you, if you just want to lift your hands high and say, I surrender. I surrender all the things that I thought I could do on my, my own. All the things that I thought I needed to do. All the behavioral change that instead today. Oh God, I meet with you a real God, a present help in my time of need. Oh God, oh God, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you that you're doing a work on the inside of us. Lord, just like your word said, let our head not refuse it. Let us receive the anointing oil that covers us from head to toe. Lord, we receive your spirit, oh God, your life-giving spirit that cleanses all of our impurities, that cleanses our yesterday, the years before, oh God, Lord, to our joy of our salvation. And I pray right now for a renewed joy that as we let go of the old, as we let the new come, oh, I thank you that the joy of God is before us. I thank you that breakthrough isn't something that will happen, but is happening. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free. And those that are free are free indeed. Can I get it? Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.